let's go ahead and get back into our uh, text. We are dealing um, with the uh, um, the book of Psalms, chapter 27, or the 27th number of the Psalms um, in particular. Um, we're going to go ahead and start at verse number one, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy upon also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. One more scripture. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. May the Lord always add a blessing to the hearers and the doers of his word. Um, as always, we say um, and have said, the blessing, amen, is in the obedience to the word of God. So if you're struggling with, uh, with, um, um, with seeing God's word, the blessings and all of those things, uh, come coming to fruition in your life. If you struggle with with seeing that you're not seeing a whole lot of um, the, the the promises of God, so to speak, being fulfilled in your life, that that's a good sign to double check. Amen. To double check the the obedience radar <laughs> or meter, you want to make sure that you're doing the word of God. And the reason why is is because it can sound cliche, but it is true. God does not bless mess. Okay, and and God is faithful and God is true, but you and I will never experience the fullness of what God has offered, what God wants to do, as long as we entertain this concept or this idea that I can do a little bit of God and I can do a little bit of me. No, uh, -uh. no, 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 no. Paul said, I die daily. You've got to, in fact, one scripture tells you, you got to mortify the flesh, which means the deeds of the flesh, those ways of acting, those things, you got that stuff, you got stuff's got to be put off. That stuff has to be put to death, so to speak. Amen. Amen. You can't have what God wants for you all the while you're trying to do your thing and his thing. No, you have to choose. Amen. Amen. Now, last uh, uh, week before last, we had a bit of a, a break last week, um, but we are back dealing um, in Psalms 27. And, and in particular, um, the scripture set that we are um, dealing with um, in our um, text, um, the particular scriptures, we're looking at um, um, verses seven. Um, well, well, actually, we did verse seven, but we're really looking at um, verses number uh, eight through uh, looks like verse number 10. Okay, amen. And we, 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 when we last left week before last, we ended with talking about the heart. Okay. We got just to that part. We just, just barely scratched the surface of that. Okay. We asked, what did God, we asked a question and that question was, was what did God ask you to do? Amen. Amen. Because we learned that that when you and I ask God or we petition God, amen. Okay. When we when we do that, 
there is a matter upon which grounds or what are the grounds we stand on when we come and we petition before the Lord. Some people think literally that they can live any kind of way, do any kind of thing, and they still have the rights and privileges to ask God for absolutely anything. Okay. The Bible does tell us to come boldly before the throne of grace. Amen. And so you have a lot of people, amen. And that's a good, and it's a good thing that we have people who want to make use or take advantage of that particular privilege that is given to the household of faith. The problem is, is, is that the household, many in the household of faith, when they try to employ or make use of that privilege, they cannot adequately do so. Why? Because the grounds upon which they stand, when they come asking God to do something, it are grounds that God has no pleasure in, amen, that God does not acknowledge, okay, that God does not um, allow, um, that God does not allow uh, us to, to engage in all the while receiving the blessings of God, amen, and this is something that's very important, because just because it's in the scripture, and I want you to hear this, just because it's in us in the scripture, and it is a blessing and a privilege that has been conferred upon you, it is a right that God has given you, it does not mean there are no context or there are no rules surrounding the proper use or exercising of the privileges that God gives you. In essence, you cannot just recklessly, with no thought, with no consideration, make use of the privileges that God has given you in the scripture. No, you've got to be walking in the spirit. You got to be walking by faith. All of these different things have to be present and accounted for if God is to bless whatever it is that you're doing too many times we just we 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 come to God and we're like God I want you to do this and I want you to do that and then we have the nerve to get mad at God we we literally just get dusted and disgusted with God when he absolutely does not do what we've asked him to do we we start scratching our head we get mad and start poking our lip out and all that kind of stuff and before we know it we then <laughs> we're just full blown upset with God because he didn't do something. And we have incorrectly thought that as soon as we ask God for something, he's supposed to do it. God is not a genie, okay? And there are some things that God will do for you, but he's not going to do it if you're wrong. He's not going to bless mess. It, it just is, that just is something that is not going to happen. So it is important, the grounds upon which we stand on, are we standing upright and without fear because we're standing on the grounds of obedience? You are not going to get what God has for you with a lack of obedience. It is not going to do that. It's just not going to happen. It, 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 will, it will never work. Are we, are we standing on the grounds of obedience or are we somewhere all off in the alleyway yet again, trying to get what we want out of God all the while we're just attempting to slide past God rebellion and disobedience as if he's not going to notice. He's going to notice. He's going to notice. Amen. Now we we said, we asked the question, what, well, what did God ask you to do? Okay. And have you done it the way that he asked you to do? Okay. That's important. Okay. Have you done exactly that? Or have you tried to do a version of that? Some of you um, only experience partial success because you keep trying to do a version. And some of you know, no success at all just literally none. Be and it's because, and it is also because you keep trying to do a version of what God has told you to do. If you want to see 
the blessings of God. Now, when I say the blessings of God, that doesn't mean that the, that the blessings of God are something that pertain to you. Or in other words, that you're going to get something. Sometimes we get that wrong when we say seeing the blessings of God. We tend to look at that as a personal thing of God getting ready to do. No, 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 no. The blessings of God, if you want to see God move, whether he's moving on your behalf or whether he's answering a prayer um, for somebody else or just seeing the goodness of God, th that's what we're talking about. Okay, it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is specifically um, um, intertwined with you or something that is specifically for you. It, it's the blessings of God in all of its forms. Okay, and, and whatever situation, whatever the situation requires, or or whatever the circumstance is, all of the blessings. Okay, of God. Okay, now with that. With that, if you're only going to, as long as we, we, we do versions or, or partials of what God's told us to do, you're going to either get nothing or you're only going to get a partial blessing. That's usually what happens. Many times it's nothing. There are some things you can do partial thing and you'll get, there'll be a partial success or there'll be a partial thing that you get to partake of, but you won't experience all of it until you become fully obedient. You got to line up. Now, why am I saying that? Because many of us are stuck actually right there where we are partially obedient. We don't, we go after God, but we don't go after God with everything that we got. Okay. What, what you listen, what you put in, God's going to respond and give out according to what you put in. That's what he's going to do. That's, that's what he's going to do. Now, when God, he's going to, <laughs> if you, you know, if, if you're, if you are half-hearted with everything, nonchalant, just not really caring what it is that you do, well, That's going to be par for the course when, 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 when you begin to receive, if you receive anything at all, because remember, it, it, it literally depends on what the circumstance is, what the situation is. There are sometimes you, you won't get nothing at all. And then there are some rare occasions where you'll get partially something and that's God being merciful. But you want to avoid all of that and you want to, be able to have and partake of everything or experience all that God has for you. And the way to do that family is with and through obedience. We talked about what God did not want. So we're not going to re we're not going to retread that. Okay. We also talked about what God does want. Amen. And we learned that what God wants is obedience. We looked at first Samuel 15, 22, and we looked at Proverbs 21 and three, look those up when you get a moment. Okay. We also learned that what God wants that's what God wants in general. Okay. Um, um, just overarching that needs to be threaded through everything. And then we also learned if we fine tune it, what God specifically wants from us. We looked at Romans 12 and one, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that ye present what your body is a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Amen. We looked at uh, Psalms 116 and we looked at verses 12 through 14. What shall I render unto the Lord? What for all his benefits toward me? How do, how do I repay God? What can I do for God is what the psalm writer was asking here. Verse 13 says, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows, amen, unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Amen. So in in, in 1 Samuel 15, 22 and Proverbs 21 and 3, we learned that over we earn that God desires obedience. But when you zero in to Romans 12 and 1 and you look at Psalms 116, 12 through 14, it not only that God doesn't just generally want obedience, God wants obedience from you specifically. Amen. When you get to Romans 12 and 1 and uh and Psalms 116, 12 through 14, you you're still dealing with obedience. It's not a different thing, but now it starts to zero in. It starts to become personal. It starts to hit home because now we're talking about that obedience in respect to me, in respect, in regards to me. God wants obedience it just on GP. God wants it just, God wants obedience. 
but he don't just want obedience and he'll just take obedience from who, you know, from other folks on your behalf. And no, 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 no. God wants obedience. And that obedience he wants is from you. Okay. So no, we can't, <laughs> we, we can't pay a stand in or find somebody to, to be obedient on our behalf. All the while we doing crazy stuff talking about God's going to bless me. No, you're not. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. Don't sign up for that. You're going to be disappointed because you're going to be looking up and God's not going to do anything for you. It's not enough for other people to just be obedient around you. You got to be obedient for yourself. Amen. And too many people try to slide in and slide by God. Thinking that you're going to make it on the obedience of somebody else. But newsflash. The one that is obedient is going to be blessed. Not the one who's disobedient. And there's another thing that we need to also understand when it comes to, to obedience. There is no such thing. <laughs> Listen, just if you are not being obedient. That doesn't put you in a neutral category. Uh, -uh. If you are not being obedient. You are being disobedient. But I didn't but brother Walker, I didn't do I didn't, I didn't actively do nothing. It don't matter. When you don't do what God tells you to do, even if you sit and still and don't move a muscle, God's still going to file that under the category of what? Disobedience. To know to do good and not do it, to him it is sin. God tell you plainly what he wants you to do. It doesn't matter what reason you come up with for not doing it. And maybe you didn't go, maybe to go and do the worst thing imaginable. But we serve a God with high standards. And no obedience is the same thing as disobedience. So make sure you don't fall into that. All right. All right. Now, when Obedience to God is present and accounted for. So too will be the grounds and privilege to ask certain things of God. So again, we have to make sure that we've responded. We got to pay attention to how we responded to the commands of God. And we got to pay and, 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 and we can't settle for how we responded, especially if it's favorable, if it's the right way in the past. Oh, you got to update that to 2021. Are you, are how you, how are you responding now? How have you been responding and how are you responding now? That's important. Now, when we last left this thing, that brought us to a certain point that brought us to the point where we started to talk about the heart. Now, the, the, and, and, and what we said is because now that we're dealing with how we have responded and how we are responding now. That inevitably brings up the subject of our heart. In particular, responding with the heart, okay? The response of the heart family is critical when it comes to how God interacts with us. We're just taking this apart. We're gonna dissect it and go as far as we can. The response of the heart is critical. It's not something that you can just lay on the side and leave on the side of the road. And it can't be an afterthought in the things that you do. And it, it, no, it's a, it is, it is major. It is the cornerstone. The response of the heart is critical when it comes to how God interacts with us. Because what we said on last uh, two weeks ago is that God can use anyone. Amen. And I'm, he can absolutely use anyone and he can use anything. Amen. If he can use a donkey to talk. Yeah. I, I think we, I, he, he pretty much has no limits to what he can do. Amen. 
God can use anyone, but although this is true, here's the reality. He can use anyone, but he prefers to use those whose hearts respond to his summons. Amen. Amen. Anyone can be used by God. But God has tastes and standards and his preference is to use those whose hearts respond to his summons. Why? Because when the heart responds to his summons, it means the person that shows up wants to be there. The person that enrolls wants to be a part of it. The person that, <laughs> that signs up wants to participate. When they respond, when the heart responds to the summons of God, that's next level. No, that's not somebody going through the motion. That's not somebody trying to, trying to fake and slide by. No, no, not at all. That's a person who's there for a higher reason, for a deeper reason. And it go beyond any and all of the hardship and everything that they might encounter. The one that responds with the heart, that shows up because, because of a moving and a stirring in the heart. That's different. And oh man, that is attractive to God. God loves that. God loves that. Amen. God wants to, the reason why this is, is the, the case is because God wants to be dealt with by mankind according to his nature. All right. God wants man to deal with him, but he does not want man to deal with him any kind of way. There is a proper way for man to interact and to engage with God. God wants to be dealt with by mankind according to his nature. Make sure you write that down or you keep this, the recording, whatever you need to do. Do not forget that. God wants to be dealt with by mankind according to his nature. God is love. We talked about that. John 1, 4 and 8 says this, he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Thus, God is love. Thus, he prefers to be interacted with according to his nature. Okay? God is love. So when you interact with God, he wants you to do that from the platform of love. Amen. Love is part of God's nature. Amen. But we're building here. It is not the only part of his nature. Look at John 4, 23 and 24. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the father. What? In spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is what? A spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So if we take that and now we layer that on and we build this thing up, this just good old-fashioned Bible study. God required, God wants to be dealt with according to his nature by mankind. God's nature is love. Amen. So God requires love. Amen for him to be with or done with our whole heart, okay? God requires love because he's a God of love, amen, amen. He requires love, but God requires our love to, for him to be with our whole heart. Look at Deuteronomy chapter six, look at four, and five, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with what? All thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. God is love, so he requires us to deal with him with love, but there's context for that love. That love need to be with the whole heart. Your whole heart got to be in it. That love got to spring from the totality of your heart. Amen. Amen. 
God, amen, according to John 23, uh, John 4, 23 and 24, we just read that, amen. And, and the scripture tells us, but the hour cometh now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, we learn something else about the nature of God. Truth. God is a God of truth. And when we worship him, we've got to worship him in spirit. God is a spirit. That's his nature. And in truth. God is, a, God is the spirit of truth. Amen. And so when we engage with him, not only is God a spirit, but God is the spirit of love. Not only does God <laughs> a spirit, but he is the spirit of truth. Amen. These things are part of his nature. And therefore, even truth must be done from the whole heart. So not only love from the whole heart when we engage with God, but God wants us to operate in truth or trust. Amen. Amen. These things have to be from the whole heart. God is a spirit of truth and he wants us to trust him. He wants us to believe him. But when we do so, it has to be with the whole heart. Look at Proverbs 3 and 5. Amen. Trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart. But Brother Walker, I just want to do part of it. He said all thine heart. And lean not to thine own understanding. You got to put all of it in there. God wants us, our love to spring from the platform of a whole heart. And God also wants our trust for him to spring from the platform of the whole heart. Amen. Not only that, keeping the commandments of God. This is everything else <laughs> must be done with the whole heart. Look at Deuteronomy 26 and 16. This day, the Lord thy God hath commanded thee to do these statutes and judgments. Thou shalt therefore keep and do them with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Love got to be from the whole heart when you deal with God, trusting in him, got to come from the whole, got from the place of the whole heart. God wants you to wholeheartedly trust him. Amen. Wholeheartedly believe him, wholeheartedly love him. God wants you to do it with everything. And then when you keep his commandments, guess what? He wants you to do that with your whole heart, everything that you want in there. I told you when the heart answers the summons of God, the person that shows up, the person that signs up, the person that in that enlists, guess who he or she is? That's the person who wants to be there. That's not a person whose arm is twisted. That's not a person who's drug into something. No, that's not a person who's coerced into something. No, not at all. That this is a person that is there of their own volition, their own free will. And that's what God is looking for. See, God didn't make robots. God gave you free will. You are a free moral being or a free moral agent, you are able and possess the ability to choose for yourself. God wanted love and respect and trust from you and I so pure that he did not force it on you. He wanted the genuine article. So what did he do? He gave you the ability to choose it for yourself. God don't want, God wants real love, real trust, real faith. And he wants it to come from the person that wants to do it, not the person that's drugged into the room and forced to do it. I hope you hear it. I hope you hear it. God wants you to love him because you love him. He wants you to trust him because you trust him. 
because you choose him. Not because somebody tied you down. Not because somebody forced you to be there. God wanted you to choose him. The same way that he chose you. Well, I hope you hear it. God chose to love you. He knew everything about you. He knew what you couldn't do. He knows what you cannot do. He knows what you struggle to do. But in spite of all that, he said, I still love you. I still want you. I still got a place for you. I still want you by my side. God wants you to choose him the same way. Amen. 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 So love got to be with the whole heart. Trusting and believing in him got to be done with the whole heart. Keeping his commandments. That means everything that God tells you to do in the word of God. In every context, in on every situation, God wants you to do it. Why? Because he loves you and he wants you to love him back. But he don't see love outside of obedience. Love and faith to God is synonymous with obedience. You can't have one without the other. God won't accept your declaration. I don't care if you get on a microphone in, in front of the whole world. And tell everybody boldly, I love Jesus. News flash. If you can't do what Jesus tells you to do, then you do not love him. Got to get that obedience worked out. Amen. This is good old practical, practical teaching. Stuff that we need nowadays, stuff that's been lost. We too busy going around trying to get our, <laughs> trying to maximize our blessing and, and live our best life and all that other kind of trash. We too busy treating God like he's a genie and trying to get all that we can and not give all that we have. And such a disparity ought not be. Because God wants to be dealt with in accordance with his nature, amen, it means that we need some help. We need some help to do this because it requires something that we don't initially have and something which happens to be something that we can't get on our own, amen. We need his help because he wants us to deal with him according to his nature. Listen, <laughs> you still live in sinful flesh. So that means you're going to be challenged. That means I'm going to be challenged with living up to this. And if I'm to live up to this, if you are to live up to this, to operate with God according to his nature and the way that he wants, you're going to need some help. Because you just can't do this on your own. So to help you and I out, God has done something. Amen. Amen. God has done something to help us out. Because what is required in order for us to engage with God the way that he wants, it requires a new heart. Amen. It requires a new heart in order to operate with God in accordance with his nature. It will require a new heart. If you're going to do this the way God wants you to do it, you, ma'am, you, sir, are going to need a brand spanking new heart. It's going to need it. You, you, you're not going to be able to do it without it. Amen. Amen. And, and God knew this. 
And because he knows this, it's safe to say that guess what? This is not a fact or a reality that somehow escaped God. It didn't escape his attention. God knew he was going to need some help. God knew he was going to need some help. So what did God do? God predetermined to help you and I in this manner. Turn to Ezekiel. I want you to look at chapter 11. I want you to look at verse 19. Amen. Ezekiel 11, 19. God knew he was going to need a new heart in order to deal with what, what deal with him the way he wanted to be dealt with. God knew he was going to need some help. And he knew that you couldn't help yourself. So what did he do? Look at Ezekiel eleven nineteen, And I will give them what? One heart. And I will put a new spirit within you. And I will take the stony heart out of their flesh and will give them a heart of flesh. Amen. 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 Not convinced yet? Look at Ezekiel 36. Look at verse 26. Ezekiel 36, verse 26. Amen. I hope you're turning those pages. Amen. Amen. A new heart also will I give you. And a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. And I will give you a heart of flesh. Notice he said the same thing virtually twice. And the scripture teaches very plainly. When God doubles up something, he established, it means it's established. That means that this is the way God, this is paramount. That means that this ain't going nowhere. God's established it. That means that what he's telling you here is, is, is absolutely required. You're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to remix this. You're not going to be able to rewrite this. Uh-uh, no, not at all. God says, I will give you a new heart. God intends, God means for you to have a new heart. Now, why? Okay. Why? God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. We just read it in two places. Question is now, why does it require a new heart? Why is that? Why why, why a new heart? Why can't we just deal with God using what we have? Why can we not just deal with God out of the heart that we have? Amen. As it is now, why, why can't, why, why is that? Because if God, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, a logical question. God clearly says, I'm going to give you a new heart. He clearly doesn't want you to have the, one, have the one that you have. So that's a logical question. Why is that? Why does it require a new heart? Well, turn to Romans 8, and I want you to look at, we'll start at verse number one. We'll go through verse number eight. Because the answer is as simple as this. The existing heart is at odds with God and his ways. This is why. Romans 8 and 1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. Keep that in mind. Wasn't a problem with the law. The problem was with the flesh. Amen. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That's how you ought to be walking. That's not a gray area. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. God did what he did. On our behalf.
so that we might be able not to fulfill the letter of the law. Jesus took care of all that. But after having been freed from the letter of the law, walking in grace, you would now be eligible to fulfill the righteousness of the law. Glory to God. That's why, you know, don't listen to people who, who go around talking about, we're not under the law. We don't have anything to do with the law. They don't know what they're talking about. They have absolutely no idea what they, they, they have. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No, we're not under the letter. But the righteousness of the law, <laughs> glory to God, that ought to be fulfilled in your righteous living. You're supposed to be fulfilling the righteousness of the law. Not the letter of the law, the righteousness of the law. And he just told you who gets to do it, who's eligible to do that, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Amen. Verse number five. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Here we go. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So that, so then, they that are in the flesh, talking about operating, living according to the flesh, guess what? Cannot please God. Why does it require a new heart? Because the existing heart, and this is what you get from verse 7 and 8, is at odds with God. Now, let's tie this all out. Let's tie this all together so that, it's under, that you understand. Now, verse number seven says, because the carnal mind, I want you to look at that phrase, carnal mind, okay, is enmity against God. All right. Carnal means mindset. All right. We're going to break this down. We're going to tie all this up. Carnal means mindset. Okay. It is not, it mean, it, it, it refers to the habitual or characteristic mental attitude of a person that, that determines how they will interpret and respond to situations. So in other words, carnal is, refers to your tendencies, your characteristic, your habits, the way you operate the way you tend to do things, the way you tend to see things. Mind in this scripture, it's used about 51 times in the New Testament, amen, this particular phrasing, refers to sinful humanity, amen. So what it actually refers to mind here is really that aspect of you or the sin nature, if you will, within you. That's what he's talking about, okay? So carnal is the way you do things. And mind here refers to your sinful nature, that aspect of you that is in rebellion against God. Now, to bring it, to make it more plain, mind refers to the thought, okay? It refers, it deals with the purpose, your purpose. It deals with your will, okay? It deals with high-mindedness, your high-mindedness, my high-mindedness. It deals with my pride. It deals with my high thoughts, okay? It, it, it refers to my proud designs, okay? Those things that, 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 that glorify me or those things that, 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 um, that I come up with that I seem to be all about. I, it, my, my, it's me 
being caught up on my ingenuity, my my tenacity, my skill, all of those different things. It mind also deals with my 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 ability to be presumptuous and and to to walk in arrogance. But it also, in essence, means or refers to the heart. Because when you talk about the heart, you're not talking about the actual organ, okay? You're not talking about that when scripture is dealing with the heart, okay? So he says, because the carnal mind, amen, is enmity with God. When he talks about the carnal mind, the carnal means or refers to your way of doing things, your way of operating, your habits, your tendencies, all of those different things. But when you couple that with mine, mine refers to your tendency to be arrogant and presumptuous, to be caught up in your own will, to be all about your own designs, to be high mind, all of those different things. In essence, it refers to your heart because your heart refers is the, your, the seat of your emotions and your intellect. It's that intangible thing. It's not a, it's not the physical organ. Okay. But it's heart representing the way you believe, what you hold to, your ethics and your principles, all that is you. And what he's telling you is, is that the carnal mind, but not in the, but not in the positive sense, but it's dealing with it in the negative sense. And that's the, that's the, that's the trick here that, that you get, that you got to keep in mind when it deals with mind here. So when he says your carnal mind, what he literally is simply saying is, is your tendency to do the wrong thing. Your mind, your, your, your habit of doing what you want to do. Your tendency of defaulting to a lifestyle and a behavior pattern that is opposite of God. That's what he means. That's what it means, the carnal mind. And so seven says, because the carnal mind is enmity. Enmity means hostility. It means a state of deep-seated ill will. And what he's telling you is, by carnal mind, he's telling you the human tendency, the human mindset, the human way of doing things has a deep-seated hostility toward God. Why is that? Because it is not subject. That word subject means submissive. It is not submitted. It does not yield. It will not bow down. It doesn't want to surrender. to the wishes or or the orders of others. It doesn't want to do what it's told to do. The natural way of mankind is to want to do his own thing. And that's what he's talking about with the carnal mind. He's talking about the human tendency, default, lifestyle, behavior patterns that simply will not submit and surrender to God. And that's why You need a new heart because your default way of doing things, unaided by God, if God don't help you, if God don't give you a new heart, you got to understand, he's telling, this is why verse eight is so heavy. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. If God 
does not give you a new heart. Your default lifestyle, behavior pattern, way of doing things is by very nature disobedient to God. It will not surrender. It will not submit. And remember, God wants to be loved according, God wants to be dealt with according to his nature. So if I am to be deal, if I am to deal with God, if you are to deal with God according to his nature, then that means you, that means that your default nature has to be in subjection to his nature. And what Romans is telling you in eight and seven is that your natural or your default nature is any and everything but subject to the nature and the law of God. It is so anti-God that it cannot be. This is why he says it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. The fallen nature of man is so utterly corrupt that it can't. Listen, Paul said this. <laughs> no good thing dwelleth in me. You got to have a new heart. How's this done? So I got to have it. But how does God do it? God does this through the salvation process via circumcision of the heart. So God, through a spiritual operation, cuts away the old heart, the heart that's disobedience. He literally through a spiritual operation severs the connection to the old heart and connects a new heart. I'm talking about divine heart surgery. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14 through 17 says this, behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God. The earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them. And he chose their seed after them. I told you he chose to love us. Even you above, even you above all people as it is this day. I, I hope you hear that verse that I'm telling you, God chose to love you. But look at what he does in verse 16. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. And be no more stiff-necked. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and terrible, which regardeth not person, nor taketh reward, which means you don't take bribes. You can't tip God. You can't tip God and bribe God into letting you into heaven or into his good graces. It don't work that way. You got to do what he said do. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 30 and look at verse number six. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. Circumcision. God gives you a new heart through spiritual circumcision the cutting away of the old and the replacement with the new. Look at Jeremiah 31, 
starting at verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers. No. In the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break. Although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord, saying I was faithful, even though they broke it. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in the inward parts. This is what he does when he circumcises. This is what he's doing. This is what God is doing. But this will be the covenant. So be the contract. This will be the promise that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will my law in their inward parts. And write in their hearts. and will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sins no more. What was he saying? That with the new heart, he does it through the process of circumcision. And what he's actually doing while he, when he circumcises the heart, when he gives you a new heart, what he's actually doing is he's writing his laws in your heart. And he's reconnecting you back to him. This is, what is me, this is what he means when he says, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord. They shall all know me from the least of them in unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. What he's telling you is that the new heart is connected to God. God wants you to operate according to his nature. But if you are going to do that, you have got to be reconnected to him. You've got to do the things that he wants you to do. So he gives you a heart that has his laws written on it. Why? So that you'll do what he wants you to do. Amen. And it's a heart that's connected to him. Look at Hebrews chapter eight. Verses 9 through 11, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they continued not in my covenant. And I regarded them not, saith the Lord, for this is the covenant. This is the contract. This is the promise that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be unto them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, know the Lord for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. Look at Romans chapter two. Verses 28 and 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly. Neither is that circumcision, which is outwardly in the flesh. He's telling you he didn't do this in the natural. It's not the, what, he's, what, he, what God was doing. Was, it, wasn't, it wasn't the natural thing. 
But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly. And circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit and not in the letter. Whose praise is not of men. But of God. Circumcision. Is of the heart. And when God circumcises the heart. There is a severing. Of the old heart, a cutting away, if you will. A disconnecting away from the old habits, the old ways that used to be your ways. Doesn't mean that you don't have knowledge of those things. Doesn't mean that you don't remember how to do those things. No, no, no. But prior to the circumcision, that old heart is your life source. That's the center of everything that you do. Problem is, is that center or that core is born dead it's disconnected from god so in the circumcision process god cuts out the old central unit and he puts in a new one and this new unit has new code that's written in it it's got his laws written on your heart the old one had your own will written on it it had your own lust written on it it had your own desires written on it, but the new heart has the laws of God written on it, and it's connected to God. Amen. 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 Jesus said, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Glory to God. I feel good this morning. Glory to God. The new heart is connected to God. It's connected to God. Got to have a new heart. Because the old heart, by very, its very nature, is anti-God. It's anti the will of God. It's anti the way of God in every way. It literally wants its own gratification, literally. But if you are going to do things God's way, if you're going to live in unity with God, if you're going to live in fellowship with God, you can't have a heart that's doing its own thing. Why? Because God requires your interaction to be with your whole heart. You have to interact with God from your heart. You can't do that using a heart that is by its very nature anti-God. It just won't work. So God's got to give you a brand new heart. And how does a person take advantage of that? It's through the salvation process. Acts 2.36 through 41. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostle, men and brethren, what shall we do? They realized there was in a bad way, but watch this. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you and to your children. And to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Glory to God. We're going to stop right here. We will pick back up next week and we will continue on uh, into verses number nine. 
and, uh, and 10, and it's going to be a good time in the Lord. But praise the Lord, we finally were able to finish that up, dealing with the heart, why it's important, why you've got to have a new heart. How do you get that new heart? And, 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 and just what God is doing or does when he gives you a new heart as you're going through that circumcision process. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Until next week. Wow. <laughs>